Welcome to chapel this morning. Glad that you're here. I uh, want you to know a little bit about what that video concerned. And so um, there's a conference coming up that we want to talk a little bit about. So let's listen intently. Hi, I'm Katie Yoakum. I am with Robin Bales. We're both on the committee for Poverty Summit this year. And it's the third year that it's been at Baylor campus. And it's a three-day conference. This year it's October 8th through the 10th. And it's Friday night, Saturday, and then into Sunday and um, you'll be done in time for church and all that jazz. But um, what it is, basically, it's titled, like you saw, Hungry for Justice. Um, And it's going to be speakers from all across the nation that are experts on human trafficking, just various poverty issues, and gardening, community gardening, um, sustainability, just pretty much anything that you could think of, of dealing with poverty, that's what they focus in. And they're all, like, incredible Um, experts in their fields and so every speaker that's coming on Friday and Saturday on Saturday is when the breakout sessions are and they could almost all of them could be um, keynote speakers but um, so if you're interested and that's something that you have a passion for then I encourage you to come out it's something that Baylor um, is new and doing and we're partnering with Campus Kitchen which we already have on Baylor campus and um, Baylor Interdisciplinary Poverty Initiative which is BIPI for short Um, And so that's something that we're kind of making it really big this year. And um, Robin's going to tell you a little bit more about details-wise, but it's something that if you're interested, then I encourage you to register online. You can just Google search it, but Robin will tell you how to exactly do that. All right. And the Poverty Summit will be held the weekend of October 8th through 10th. So um, if you want to mark your calendars for that, and you can register online if you go to www.baylor.edu slash studentactivities there's going to be like something on the side on like the sidebar that you can click on and also if you go to the on the baylor horizon there is something that you can click and get to the thing there and it's twenty dollars for baylor students but the twenty dollars includes three meals a dessert reception um, and then supplies for the summit which includes a water bottle notebooks stuff like that so and also the keynote speakers one of them is going to be Robert Edgar, and he was the founder and um, of the Campus Kitchen in D.C. And the other one is Susan Sedwick Davis, and she does a lot for anti-human trafficking. So if y'all are interested, I encourage you to go apply, and it'll be well worth your time and money. So. Thank you, guys. I hope that you make yourself aware of the opportunities that are available to you here at Baylor. It, it is uh, something that you won't find when you finish here is how accessible really high-quality conferences are. So when conferences, I hope you don't tune out when conferences cost 20 bucks or something like that because it's an incredible opportunity to be a part of everything that you're able to. So um, try to do that. There's also some great things happening with your student government, and Christina has come to share with you a little bit about some things that are coming up. So, Christina. Hello. um, On behalf of student government, I would like to remind all the freshmen that freshman elections are tomorrow. Voting will take place online. Just go to baylor.edu slash sg slash vote. Voting will take place from 8 to 5. Uh, you'll vote for your president, vice president, secretary slash treasurer, and the 13 senators to represent your class. Is anybody in here running? Woo! Good. Well, good luck. So get out there, vote. It's really easy. Um, Also, there's something coming up Wednesday. It's uh, dinner with the president. 
Um, it will be in the Sub Bowl at 7 o'clock. There will be free VTEX barbecue, student performances. We just really want a lot of students to get out there. It's in celebration of President Starr's inauguration this Friday. So we really just want to give them a really warm welcome from the students. And so please come. It will be a lot of fun. Have a great day. Thanks, Christina. Would you all help me in this way? Um, we Every Monday, we have these incredible speakers who come to chapel, and today is no exception. Um, the last two chapel services have been really fantastic and phenomenal. Um, but sometimes when you stand up here and you look out there, um, it's a little disrespectful when I see somebody like laid back already trying to go take a nap or something of that nature. Would you just govern yourselves that way and just tap your neighbors on the shoulder and say, hey, could you maybe just look like you're paying attention and wake up? Because um, it really is quite rude to our guests when you're laid back and feet propped up that way. Can you just do that for me? That would be awesome. Thanks. Hey, let's pray this morning. Jesus, we're thankful that we get to be in this place. Would you teach us? Would you change us? Would you mold us? Would you make us aware of your work? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to introduce you to one of your classmates. She got her undergraduate here at Baylor and decided to stay and get her graduate degree here in accounting. If you ever watched the Baylor virtual tour online, you would have seen her. Um, she was giving you that tour, and so many of you have seen that. Her name is Jordan Rippey, and she's here with us this morning to introduce our guest. And he flew here uh, just to speak to you, and so it's an exciting day to be here. So welcome with me, Jordan Rippey. morning and welcome to chapel. As Ryan said, my name is Jordan Rippey and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> I have an undergraduate degree from Baylor in accounting and I'm a first semester graduate student and so I'm glad that you're here. It wasn't too many years ago that I was sitting in your very seat. I first heard today's chapel speaker at a luncheon in the business school about a year ago and it was certainly one of the most profound messages that I have ever heard. David Myers is the former controller of WorldCom, and in August of 2005, he was indicted to federal prison to spend one year and one day for his responsibility in the part of an $11 billion accounting scandal, still to this day one of the largest accounting scandals in the world. Now, whether we think about it or not, we make hundreds of decisions every day, and as Mr. Myers will point out to you, it's critical that we think ethically about each and every one of them. So I hope you'll join me in welcoming David Myers to Baylor Chapel. Just give him over to me. Good morning. Wow. Uh, um, a lot of things going through your mind, a lot of things going through my mind. I can imagine some of the things that you're thinking about. Um, nice, nice win Saturday for you guys. Um, congratulations. You're probably also thinking, um, how do I call home and ask for more money this early in the semester because I've already spent up all my allowance. I never did that, but maybe some of y'all did. Um, and, you know, probably there's a, a decent number of you guys that are thinking, why the heck am I sitting here listening to somebody like, like me because you would never do what, what I did. 
And that's very fair. It's a very fair comment. Um, one thing, though, that I would tell you is that, um, believe it or not, seemingly, you know, seems like a couple hundred years ago, uh, I was at Ole Miss. We won this weekend, too, so good for us. Um, <laughs> barely. Um, but when I sat in something similar to this, like you're sitting today, um, I had never done anything wrong. I never planned to do anything wrong. Um, I grew up in a household that was um, spiritual. I went to a Baptist high school, and literally the worst thing I ever did prior to pleading to three felony counts um, was getting a speeding ticket. So, um, you know, I went from speeding ticket to three felony counts and a year in prison. Not easily reconcilable, um, I don't think. At least I couldn't reconcile it. Still can't reconcile it, quite honestly. So the purpose of me being here today is not that I like telling the story because I can assure you it's not one that I like talking about. Um, it's still to this moment an, an embarrassing point in my life and will always be that way. Um, but I'm here because I, like you guys, think this would never happen to me. And it, I can tell you for sure that it, it, you know, unless I'm living one heck of a bad dream, um, it did happen. As taking steps back just a little bit so you'll understand the present, um, after I graduated from Ole Miss and I, was, I graduated tops in my class in accounting, went to work for Ernst & Young, um, which was one of the, the largest accounting firms in the world, did everything you're supposed to do there, actually ran recruiting um, and was on the recruiting team it, when, I was, uh, when I was in Houston, Texas. Uh, ran recruiting when I went back to Jackson. Did a lot of things that, um, you know, ran a lot of different departments within Ernst & Young. Ended up going to work for my largest client, which was, uh, it was one of the oldest or the oldest and one of the largest life insurance companies in the state in Mississippi. And um, everything was progressing along even better than I'd, than I'd even planned it. The, the company that I worked for um, was owned by two families, the, the life insurance company was, and they decided to sell the company, and which is no big deal. Uh, but the people that bought it came in, and they had their own plans, which is fine. They, they're the new owners. But what they asked me to do, because I was the highest-ranking Mississippi-based employee with this company, and they said that you, they'll trust you. They won't trust us. So what we want you to do is go out to, us, to the employee base, employee meeting, which is about the size of, of this, and we want you to tell everybody that your job's intact, keep working very hard, and everything will be fine, which is a great story, except it wasn't true. The real story was, because I'd just been to the meetings, was that they were going to lay off almost the entire workforce, and, um, but they didn't want anybody to know that because they didn't want the to the transition period to be a problem, and then, you know, there would just be issues they had to deal with. Um, so when they asked me to have that conversation, I told them that I could not do that uh, for many reasons, but I couldn't, basically I couldn't lie to my friends, my coworkers, um, and remarkably, I was not offered a position with the new company, which is perfectly fine. I didn't want to move to Denver, um, and I didn't want to work for someone that I couldn't trust. So from, from that point, 
from birth till then, still things were good. Okay, I had one speeding ticket. Okay, so mark that one. Um, but I'd done the right things, and I continued doing the right things. Spent the next several months working to find people jobs that because they were being laid off. And so while I was employed, I still worked for trying to get all, all of the people that worked for me jobs, and I was able to accomplish that. The last person that I had to get a job for was my controller. And um, I ended up calling a company called WorldCom, which um, at that point in time was one of the largest companies in the state, one of the larger companies in the country, but probably one of the largest telecommunications companies, not only in the country, but the world, in little Jackson, Mississippi, which is not much bigger than Waco. Um, very high-profile business there. Well, I called my friend, who I thought was the CFO. He had just taken, he had just stepped down from the CFO to another function, and he told me that he wasn't sure about hiring my controller because he didn't know if there, whether there was any openings, but he said, what are you doing? What, what's David doing when you leave Lamar? And I told him, quite honestly, it had been a very traumatic couple of years with the sale with the, um, and everything that went along with it. I was probably going to take the summer off, and once I got back, I'd probably try to figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And he goes, well, that's very noble. I um, wish I could do that myself, but just want you to know the job we're talking about won't be around when you come back. Um, and what we're looking for is the treasurer because the treasurer uh, had taken Charles's job as CFO, but he was maintaining both positions, CFO and treasurer. And he was working himself literally to death. So he said, you ought to come and talk with him um, and... Long story short, I did, and I got the job. So now I was now working for the most prestigious company in the state and one of the more prestigious companies at that point in time in the country, and life was good. Life was really good. Um, we, did, we completed probably 200-some-odd acquisitions, uh, which was a task to itself. And one of those acquisitions completely meaningless to everybody here but me, uh, was a company that had a treasurer that had spent his entire life as a treasurer. Remember, I was an accountant type that, that came into the job of treasurer, so it really wasn't what I did for a living. I was doing it and doing a pretty good job of it. But when we, hired, when we bought this company, we decided to keep him as treasurer, and I would take the role of controller, um, which I did um, agree to because I wanted to do what was right for the company. What I found out very quickly, almost immediately, was the fact that through these 200 or so acquisitions that, that we had made, that the accounting staff that we had employed, they were all really great people. They just weren't good accountants. And it was completely hosed. I mean, there were mistakes everywhere. I spent months and months fixing mistakes that had been made over many, many years and did it the right way. We did everything exactly by the book, the right thing to do. Again, I'd done nothing wrong other than the speeding ticket. Um, so roll forward just a little bit. Um, there was a situation, and got, none of you guys are, are going to know it. You were you know, probably in diapers at that point in time. But there was, similar to what has just happened recently with the last couple of years where the real estate market completely tanked, and they called it the real estate bubble bursting, there was a similar situation. And in that situation, there were some companies that were in the Internet spectrum, the Internet field. They, they did a lot of things they were internet-based, which I know a lot of companies are now doing, but this was the very early stages. WorldCom, at that point in time, through its acquisitions, had acquired enough of the backbone, what actually the internet runs off of, that we were the largest provider of the internet in the world. And 
pretty big deal to us. Um, those, those particular companies that were utilizing um, the internet that sold space to people like you and me um, were a large, becoming a very large part of our business. And the problem was that they were overvalued and sort of what happened in the real estate market, which is sort of what happened in the, in the stock market a few years back, the value of these companies completely fell out the bottom. And when that happened, uh, they couldn't raise money, they couldn't pay their bills, and they went out of business. A lot of, a lot of them went out of business. And the problem with all that was the fact that they were our largest rev one of our largest revenue sources and definitely the part that attributed to our growth, most of our growth. Well, each quarter, we would close our books and we would report our earnings and we would have a conference call with the equity analyst. And those are the guys that would have conversations with our CEO and our CFO. They would write about what happened in the prior quarters and a little bit about what was going to happen in the future as far as the, the earnings were going to be and give a sort of prognostication of where the stock market was going to be related to WorldCom. And they did this for all, all public companies. Again, no big deal. So what happens all the time. Um, I wasn't on the call, but I listened in on a conference call. Uh, it was on a conference call. And I listened in. And one of the questions from one of the analysts was, it was a very good question, you guys have talked for many quarters about the fact that data, which was the internet as far as we were concerned, was, a, was the single largest driver of your growth and accordingly was a very um, large um, part of, of the value of the company. Do you agree with that? I said, yeah, yes, we agree with that. Um, okay, if that's the case, then as a result of the internet bubble bursting and all these companies going out of business that were customers of yours, how is that now going to impact you? Is that going to slow your growth down? The right answer is it is going to be a big impact. It's going to have a, a large impact on our growth. We're going to slow down dramatically, but we'll be fine, but we just won't grow anywhere near as fast as we had been. The answer that was given was we're so big, we're so diversified, it's not going to have any impact on us. Well, I heard it, and I knew it was wrong, but the thing that came into my mind was, that's not your job. Your job is not to go and tell people outside of this organization what's going on inside the organization. Um, and so just, you know, even though you disagree with what they said, just be quiet. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure what I would have done different at the time other than I knew that it was a problem. But what I should have learned was the fact that our leaders, the, the CEO and the CFO of the business, outright lied to the general public. That should have been a major issue with me. And it, to some degree, was, but I rationalized that they didn't want to have a big problem with the company, so they sort of just sort of glossed over some of the issues. Big, big problem, but, you know, but I, made, I made light of it. A couple of quarters after that, remember I told you that the data business was a large part of our business? Well, a couple of quarters, it really hit home. And the earnings that we, that we had for that quarter were abysmal. Think about you're an, a, you're an A student, made A's your entire life. This semester, you make a D, and you come home, and you give your parents your report card, and what do they do? They're probably not going to pat you on the back and say, you tried really, you tried really hard. Tried to do a little bit better, but, you know, whatever. That's probably not going to happen. At least it didn't happen in my house. Well, same thing happened with me. I took the financials in to our CFO, handed them the numbers, knowing that they were significantly lower than what we had told everybody they were going to be. And his response was, he took the pages, he ripped them in half, he threw them down, 
and he said, this is garbage. This is garbage. Go fix it. Well, at least that's what I think I heard him say. He could have said anything. He probably said something about, this is nowhere near where we thought it was going to be, and you guys got to figure out what the mistakes was. But what, what I heard was, in my mind, was that you're an idiot. I'm an idiot. You made a mistake, and now go fix it. And the reason I heard that was the fact that I have a, a character flaw, I guess, um, and that is that I'm, a, I'm an overly, I, I want to please. I want somebody to think that I've done as, as good a job as I could ever do, and I do want to do the best job that I can do, but I never want somebody to think that, that I'm not doing all that I can do. So I took it pretty hard. Uh, I took it really hard, actually. But we went back. We closed the books again. Uh, it usually takes two or three days to do this. We did it overnight because we worked literally around the clock. The numbers were almost the exact same as before. So we just, I, went, I went into Scott again, gave him the numbers, and he did the exact same thing. Got mad, said a few colorful words. Um, and what he said was, he says, you guys have now run out of time. And the reason we'd run out of time is every public company has 45 days from the end of their quarter to report their earnings. We had burned through most of that, and we didn't have any time left. So we, what he said was, you guys are wrong. You made a mistake. Me, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Um, Scott telling me this, that I'm the one that made the mistake, and you've got to fix it. And the way you're going to fix it is that you're going to make an entry that is going to put the company back where it should be because you're wrong. Me, I'm wrong. And Scott's right. And so what I want you to do is book this entry. And when you book that entry, then it'll be back to where it should have been. And then you'll figure it out in the next quarter, the next week, next month. You'll figure it out. And when you do, then everything will be fine. Everything, because, you know, it'll, everything will be fine. He also said that if anything comes of this, I'll take responsibility. Scott will take responsibility for, for, your, for the actions. I'm the one that's telling you to do this. Um, the other, I don't give much advice. It's, you know, it's free. You pay for what you get. But one piece of advice, which I would hope that you would all walk away with and put it in your, in your, you know, your back pocket to remember later, is that you have to be responsible for your own actions. Never let someone else take the responsibility for your actions. Ever, 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 ever. I allowed that to happen. I allowed him to tell me that he would take responsibility for my actions. I should have just said, no, I'm not going to do it, but I did. Um, the people that worked for me felt the same way that I did, and several of them wanted to quit, which I didn't blame them. Um, but we ended up staying. We stayed because we were working for, um, except for this particular situation, a great company, we thought, anyway. Great friends. Um, the money was good. Where was I going to go? I was at the very highest point that David Myers could be, you know, the boy from Jackson, Mississippi, at this point being the controller of WorldCom, one of the largest companies in the country, one of the largest telecom country, uh, companies in the world. Where was I going to go? What was I going to do? So what I rationalized was that Scott was going to take responsibility. We were going to figure out what the errors were, and everything was going to be fine, and life would be wonderful. Well, what happened was the next quarter when he said we would find the error, well, the error really wasn't an error, but it, it was about... The number that we needed to book the next quarter is about half of the first one. $750 million entry that we booked. $750 million we booked to make our earnings look better than they were in the first quarter. Second quarter, we only needed to book $300 million. Listen to me. We only needed to book $300 million. Huge, huge number. 
But we rationalize, well, it's half of what it was last quarter, so things are getting better. Things are fixing themselves. There must have been a mistake. He was right. We were wrong. It's all coming back to play. Well, the next quarter, instead of it being 750, 300, zero, it was actually a number, huge number. I forget what it was. But what, what that told us was that all our hopes and, and dreams that everything was fixed and everything was going to be fine were dashed. And really what had happened was that we had now gone two quarters and booked entries that we shouldn't have booked, and what are we going to do about it? Well, Scott said, again, called a meeting. I'm responsible. Scott's responsible. You guys only did what I told you to do. If anything comes of it, I'll take the responsibility, but keep doing what you're doing. Otherwise, the company's going to completely implode. So as good little, good little boys and girls, we followed what he told us to do. We allowed we, don't even speak we, I, I allowed someone else's morals and ethics to override my own. I knew it was wrong. I knew that bad things could happen. I didn't choose to think what those were, but I allowed them to happen and I actually participated. A couple of quarters after that, um, there was a person in Dallas and was actually responsible for making some of the entries. And it was a lower level employee, um, you know, five or six, le six, seven levels below me. And that person had read an article in the paper and in that article, it said that a person similar to what their situation was had been asked to do something inappropriate. They had done it. They had been caught. And while their boss had told them what to do and would, said they would take responsibility for it, when, it came to, when judgment day came, the boss was nowhere to be found. He basically said, didn't tell the guy what to do. It's his fault. He got fired, got sued by the company. And the individual that worked in our company said, that is not happening to me. So they went to their boss and said, if you don't go to internal audit and tell them what's going on, I'm going to because I'm not going to take the, the responsibility for someone else's actions. They did the right thing. You know, a little bit late, but they did the right thing. And so what they did was they called internal audit. Cynthia Cooper was in charge of the internal audit department. Um, I think she might have spoken to Baylor, not positive. Um, but they did a little internal investigation uh, unbeknownst to anybody but the internal audit department. They determine where the entries were, which is pretty easy because the person told them where to look. And um, they came to the three people that worked underneath me that were, were in the highest level people in the accounting department. And they went to a lady named Betty. And they said, Betty, what are these entries? Please support them. Betty said, don't know what you're talking about. Go see Troy, who's next door. Troy, they go to Troy's office. Troy, what about these entries? Give us support for them. Don't know anything you're talking about. Go see Buddy. Uh, as an aside, Buddy is the guy that I was that was my control at Lamar, that I got the job at WorldCom. So he and I joked that if I'd never gotten him the job at WorldCom, none of this would have ever happened. It's all his fault. Not true, but we still joke about that. Um, they walk into Buddy's office and say, Buddy, tell us what the tell us what this is. Tell us, give us the support. Um, Buddy gave him a lot of colorful language, ultimately said, don't know anything you're talking about, go see David. So they come and talk to me, and at that point, um, a couple things went through my mind. One was lie. Maybe you can get away with it. Um, that lasted for, I don't know, a nanosecond. And because the right thing to do was to say there was no support, which is what I said. Now, the downside of that is that I didn't know what the downside was. I mean, there was a lot of things that, that I would have never known where this would lead, but I knew that I couldn't lie anymore. And while I hadn't really lied, see, this is what a, your, brain, your brain will do. I'd convinced myself I hadn't lied because nobody had asked me the question. So I never said, I never 
said we were doing something wrong. I just never volunteered to anybody that we were doing something wrong, um, which is still a lie, but I rationalized that it wasn't. So when they actually asked me the question, I said, no, well, there's no support. And um, that, from that point forward, there was a complete firestorm. Um, the company went, uh, you know, you can, read it in the, you can read it in the paper, go to Google and read all about it if you'd like. But it, it, was, pretty, it was pretty abysmal. What I ended up, I pled guilty to three felony counts, as I told you earlier, um, spent time in prison, and um, all of that from a guy who had done nothing worse than a, than a speeding ticket. And what I'm here today about is, again, not that I'm proud of anything that I did during that point in time, but what I hope that you guys will take away is the fact that it could happen to you. Will it? Probably not, and I pray that it doesn't, but it could. Um, because I would have said it never would happen to me, and I would never allow myself in that situation. Hopefully you won't either, but I did, and I was not able to use what I had been taught. I, didn't, I, I did not use my, the morals and ethics that, that I had full access to and, knew, you know, and was close to my heart. I didn't use them. I allowed someone else to override that. And what I hope that you guys, as you go through life, go through this day, realize is that every action that you take has a consequence. Coming here today is, is an action. And leaving is a, is a consequence. There will be some consequence. You're going you're to swipe your card and you get credit for coming here. That's a good thing. Um, but everything you do, there's a consequence. And I'm not asking you to think about everything so that you're so worried about what's going to happen that you don't do anything. It's not what I'm trying to say. But when your antennas go up, the antennas that, that your life, your teachings, your morals, and your ethics built into you, when those antennas go up, take a step back. Think about what it is, that, that the situation that you find yourself in, and what should you do in that situation. Do something different than I did. Do a lot of things different than I did. But one of them being talk to somebody. Talk, don't talk to the guy that's sitting next to you that's doing the exact same thing that you're doing, which is what I did, and we just commiserate. Um, that did, did nothing. You know, I could have talked to my priest. I didn't. I could have talked to my wife, who was an accountant. I didn't. I could have talked to any number of people, and they probably would have given me advice that was different than what I was doing myself. So, you know, talk to others that are not involved. Listen to what other people have to say. I mean, there's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth. Listen. But the biggest thing that I will tell you is that use what you've been taught. Use everything that you've been taught. Always use it. Always keep it close to you. And when presented with something that you know is wrong, even if somebody tells you they'll take responsibility, first of all, they probably won't. But that's not the most important thing. Because if you don't follow what your heart tells you to do, you sold out completely sold out, and I did, and there's no way to get that back. I mean, I sold a part of my being that I can never, ever return. I've asked for forgiveness of my family, my God, my, you know, my friends, and I've gotten, and I'm, I'm assured that God has forgiven me. I know that my family has forgiven me. I think that my friend, friends have given me. I can't, I've not forgiven myself, which is another issue um, that probably somebody will make a comment about, which is fine, and I believe it too. But it's something that I will never get over, ever. And, you know, 
the reason I'm here today is I hope that that situation is never presented to any of you guys. But if it is, do what your heart tells you to do. Be strong. And with that, I thank you guys. It is no small task to get up on a stage like this and be authentic and, and be transparent and share your life story this way. So thank you, David, for being willing to come and for caring for us enough to do so. Thank you for that. And thank you for being attentive and being a part of this chapel service. Let's stand together and receive the benediction. What a great way to start our week. I hope this week uh, progresses forward in just as good of a way as this chapel has. It's been a great day together. Receive this. May the hope and peace of this God who maintains you and sustains you, may that same God give you the power to live your life with integrity today and the rest of the days of your life. Amen and amen. Go in peace today.